Hey everybody, Jim Curry here. Uh, another exciting episode of the Indispensable Conversation with my buddy, Mandy Morris. Mandy is a well-known mental health expert. Um, speaker, does all kinds of really interesting things, including being the mental health support specialist on season two of the television show, Four Days to Save the World. Mandy, thanks for coming on. Great I'm so glad you. to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me. Me too. You know, we're enjoying our cup of coffee. You can see yes. it up officially says mine Cheers. says coffee on it. <laughs> What's yours say there, man? Mine's, mine's a JFK quote. It says, this is a time for boldness and energy. It sure is. That's right. So, so I'm going to jump right into our question. Are we wired to handle this much continuous uncertainty, Mandy? Oh my gosh. Um, that's a really good question. So I'm going, to, I'm going to answer it in kind of a roundabout way, but it's going to get to your point. So, okay. our, I mean, our brains are, I mean, we're, we are literally wired to survive at, at the, the basics of us, you know. And so whenever there's uncertainty, our mind will compute that as we're not safe. Hmm. And so when uncertainty exists, our mind is constantly trying to problem solve it, trying to figure out how to keep us safe and all of that. That's why, you know, when we talk about worrying, you know, worrying is your mind's in the future. It's it's going through all these scenarios of things that haven't ha happened yet, all the uncertainty. And worrying feels protective. But the reality is, is that it actually does more harm than good because it doesn't get you into problem solving mode. And it doesn't actually help you in, in the moment, right? And so, you know, as far as are we wired for this much uncertainty, I, I would say we're not wired for this much stress and how our brain handles uncertainty is a completely, you know, different, different thing. You know, and when we, I mean, especially with the pandemic, with you know, everything that's happening in our world, we're staying under more states of constant stress than we've ever been before. So, so let's imagine this, let's say, you know, so we have our, our fight or flight system, fight, flight or freeze, right? And um, whenever we get stressed or there's a perceived threat, remember uncertainty makes our mind think that there's a threat. Um, like, let's say it's like, you know, in the days long ago when we were like cavemen and there was like a saber-toothed tiger, right? And so you see the saber-toothed tiger, your fight or flight system, adrenaline, cortisol, norepinephrine, that all like shoots through your body and you get that surge that you need. You, you run, probably wouldn't want to fight it, but you run and there's that, you know, climax of all of the, the chemicals and hormones that you need to keep you safe. And then once you're safe, things go back to normal and and your stress levels go down. Sure. So there should be a beginning, a middle and end. However, 
with the state that our world has been in, there's not much end that happens. And so we're staying in more states of constant stress, which plays a huge impact on our mental health, on anxiety, on depression. Um, Let's let's get into that a little bit. I I didn't mean to interrupt, but I want to play out with some of what you said, because I I think there's a lot in there and and I want to make sure we highlight some of the key points. So earlier you said uncertainty translates into fear, right? Mm Yeah. And at some level in our consciousness, I suppose, we're constantly worrying about what happens next. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So fear becomes distracting. It does. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So what do we do about these feelings? You know, because I'm sure it has an impact on the way we perform at work. And certainly it it, it impacts probably everything we're doing. Right. But but this being kind of focused on on business Mm -hmm. leadership, I'd like to get some ideas about what we can do to manage that a little bit better so that we're not in this constant state of anxiety and fear of, of what's right. happening next. Right. So a few things that um, that can be really helpful. So, um, you know, one of my, well, there's a, a couple cheesy sayings that I really like, but um, one of them is better out than in. So when things stay internalized in our mind, they stay really abstract Mm. and it can be, um, it it can make the suffering (laughs) worse of what already exists. Um, and that's where we can catastrophize in our mind. We Mm. can, you know, um, all of a sudden we've become this like predictor of the future, right. And all Mm. the bad things that will happen and we have no real evidence of it. Mm -hmm. And so, it's important even you know for people who are like i don't like to write things down or whatever just externalize it get it down on paper like you would never try to solve a complex complex math problem Mm. in your head you'd write it out you know and 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 try to get it out um and so with with our mind um and i think i've mentioned this before but when our mind stays too uh too stuck in the past that's an indication of some sadness and depression going on. When it stays mm-hmm. too much in the future, that's an indication that there's a lot of anxiety going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the idea is- So, to- so hold on, hold, hold on, because I really want to amplify that, okay? Because I, yeah. I, I, lo- I love what you just I, said. I get so excited about this. Yeah, no, well, me too. And I, what <laughs> I really, really love is learning. So what I just learned from that little simple statement is when I'm feeling anxious, it's about future facing. It's about worrying yep. about something in the future. And when I feel depressed, it's about something that I'm feeling from the past. Yeah. So it would seem that the best way to deal with all this is to sort of remain present, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, which is so much easier said than done. And it truly is a discipline. It okay. takes practice, like going to the gym takes practice and discipline. Yep. Like choosing to eat something healthy takes practice and discipline. And what that means is you're bringing yourself back into the present moment and, and you're looking at the here and now so many of the problems, even as, as leaders, as, you know, employees or whatever is, you know, maybe what's going to happen in quarter one or at the end of quarter four, you know, or what's going to happen next Friday at that meeting when we're here on Monday. And, and the idea is to 
get down what you're what you're fearing, get down the uncertainties, you know, make a list of them if you want. Do a brain dump. Mm -hmm. And then to stay present is is it time to worry about any of these today? Mm -hmm. What's the next best step? Because sometimes we're worrying about step 20 when we're at step two. Mm -hmm. And and our mind is trying to problem solve it and is trying to make sure we're going to be safe and protected, but really it's just escalating our anxiety around it. Uh Now, if you're physically feeling anxious because of, you know, these future things, it's going to be hard to do these cognitive mental exercises until you physically have calmed down and done some sort of relaxation, um, some sort of, um, you know, meditation or walking or just getting your body physically in a better place. To get centered. When we're tense and stressed, the first thing that goes offline is this frontal lobe, which is where we do all of our rational thinking and decision making. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so, so so let me jump in there. So as a as a leadership coach, it's a technique that I teach a lot of the folks that I coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's box breathing. It's mm-hmm. it's doing techniques to kind of okay. help uh, them stay in the moment, stay centered, get get yep. themselves out of their own head, and kind of deal with what's in front of them right now yeah you know that kind of thing that's perfect the the depression side of this equation though is kind of a tougher one and Mm. and maybe you can shed some light or ideas about how folks who are suffering with that given all of what's gone on the last 18 months i think yeah depression's on the the rise um ideas for helping folks with that i know that's a question (laughs) yeah yeah i mean I think, um, you know, part of the nature of depression is a habit of negative thinking towards self, towards others, towards the world. And um, negative thoughts have no value. You know, a lot of people who are struggling with depression and with negative thoughts, they feel like they're realists. And the reality is, is that, you know, negative thinking doesn't doesn't help us in any way. There's no circuitry in our body for it. It just creates more toxins and it affects us um, on a mental and emotional level. Um, and a lot of staying stuck in the past usually is filled with shame or worthlessness or guilt or regret, things like that. And the and the exercise of um, having self compassion, um, you know. And obviously, if there's if there's things in the past that that created trauma that you know are part of you know your own upbringing and wiring, I mean that's a time to 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 talk with someone to get mm-hmm. get help when needed and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, just as a practical approach to paying attention to what is your what what are you saying to yourself in your mind? You know, one of my number one rules with my clients, and it's not really a rule; it's more of a, a suggestion, but um, is uh, if you wouldn't say it to someone you love, you're not allowed mm-hmm. to think it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's really, really sad. Yeah. Because yeah. the self Half the things that we say in our mind, I, I wouldn't say to you, I say in my mind, I wouldn't probably say to you, Jim. You know, yeah, I mean, right. I'm compassionate <laughs> to you, um, right. but that that just affects us so much. Sure. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's kind of an interesting um, phenomenon because that self-talk never stops. Right. And, and if it's negative, you're kind of convincing yourself you're not worthy at some yeah. level. Yep. You know, and 
And I think it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're constantly barraging yourself with that self-messaging. Yeah. Absolutely. Am I on the right track there? What do, what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it does, it goes back to a place of our own self-worth because we're wired to belong. Mm-hmm. And we're and so everything in our past experiences is is navigating, am I enough? Do I really belong? Things like that. And the reality is, you know, when a baby comes into the world, you wouldn't say, all right, what are you going to do with your life that's going to make you good enough? Like they just are, you know, and so there's nothing that you could have done or didn't do that would ever change your worthiness, but we place value on it because of things that we've been through. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having that self-compassion piece and paying attention to how we talk to ourselves is vitally important. It actually negative, negative and positive thoughts, just the act of the two literally Mm -hmm. changes the structure of your brain. Mm -hmm. And And you can build a, you know, a highway 285, 70, I don't know what highways are out your way, but a highway of negative thoughts in your mind that just happen automatically. Or you can start to build a highway of helpful, more realistic, positive thoughts in your brain. And you're going to have two different life experiences. Yep. So let's shift a little bit towards business and leadership. And this is a question that sort of comes up a lot, particularly in the trade press. There's people writing articles about and so on. How much responsibility should a leader or a business for that matter take in helping with the mental health of their staffers? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, now, should businesses really be playing a role here? Or what do you think? Yeah, so... Um, you can either spend more time and money on dealing with people's behavior, repeated behavior and, and put band-aids on it, or you can spend some time up front dealing with the emotional level that is going to feel uncomfortable and vulnerable, but is ultimately going to co- cost you less time, less money overall so it's about performance yeah on the example i like to give and it it goes to the the evidence that we are emotional beings that think not the other way around Hmm. that you know let's say let's say your kid is going to school and he wakes up that morning and you're like we're late we got to go to school and he wakes up and is like but i'm so anxious and i feel all these like strong emotions and you're like Okay, well, let's talk about it after school. Let's you gotta go, you know, and and you get in the car. This kid is now sitting in his classroom thinking about how anxious and upset he is about whatever, and he's not learning anything because there's this emotional thing going on. It's already hijacked the brain. And so if the parent has said, you know what, let's school can wait, let's talk about this now. Mm-hmm. And then kid moves through the emotions, they deal with the issue, go to school, productive day. Same type of thing. You know, if you have something going on in your personal life and you come into work all stressed out, your functioning is less than half of what it could be mm-hmm. if you had allowed yourself to resolve that or work through that. And now you're not in your stress response anymore and your producti- productivity is off the charts. Sure. So, yeah. you know, 
a lot of times the issues that come up in the workplace um, are actually stemming from some sort of mental or emotional issue, but it's not being addressed on that level because people aren't willing to get vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me play around with some other stuff that you said already. Um, there's so much good content here and, you know, we are kind of, uh, you know, recognizing World Mental Health yeah. Day, which was earlier in the week and, and so on. So I want to kind of keep it inside that paradigm, right, inside that, that topic area. But, you know, research shows that you can kind of catch, quote unquote, catch emotions from others. Mm -hmm. So that means like stress potentially is yeah. contagious. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, what can leaders do, business folks do to help sort of avert that, to avoid it? So anxiety is just as contagious as much as being calm is. Okay, good. Let's so yeah. <laughs> while I have a sip of coffee. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you've ever gone to a performance before or something where um, someone, you know, say the first performer comes out and they're all hyped up and now the crowd is hyped up. You get a performer come out and they just start talking really soft and calm and now everyone's leaning into here. Mm -hmm. You can control the emotional climate of of your organization based off of how you want to present yourself and that's where it is so important for leaders to do their own work mm. if you're operating out of your own scarcity or your own fears or your own struggles and we all have them mm -hmm. and and you and you're not doing something about that you can try to hide that all day long but it's going to come out in it some way through. yeah yeah and it rubs off on other people and it does and, and like you said you know positive energy rubs off on people too mm -hmm. so there's that whole idea of of sort of promoting a culture i do a lot of work with company culture as, as you yeah. know um and so much of it depends on the leader you know because at the end of the day culture is just about behavior so yeah. way people inside the organization behave yeah. and that's why i pay so much attention to behavior and, and yep. so on and one of the things that I, I do when I'm helping top leaders with this topic is, is sort of introduce the notion of self-regulation mm -hmm. where, you know, they've got to regulate their feelings because they're yeah. setting a tone that, that, that others will follow. Right. So it would seem that given that these kinds of things are contagious, that we've got to almost get to a place where there's co-regulation going on. Yeah. Yeah. So is there any, any tips there about how to help leaders sort of establish that cadence, if you will, with their, with their teams? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, it's going to start with, you know, with being vulnerable, you know, and, mm -hmm. and having this authentic approach to, mm -hmm. um, to how you're leading, you know, because if, you know, you're saying everything's okay, but your employees are feeling the stress and tension from you, then, you know, the thing is, is that our body picks up on things before it even makes it to our mind. So this is where like doing your own work is truly important. But I think having certain practices in place where you can have, you know, the leaders know who that, you know, have 
their co-leaders that they can go to and talk to about things and the employees so that they can come to, you know, the people above them and be able to process through whatever is happening and, and get some relief for whatever frustrations or stress that they're having. And, and it's more of this even level of we're all human first mm. and, and creating a culture where being human is invited um, and perfectionism isn't required and, you know, and having this sort of open arms approach, because when that is there, people feel psychologically safe mm -hmm. to be who they need to be. And then that, that rubs off, that creates that mm -hmm. safety. Mm -hmm. And so if there's not a, a psychologically and emotionally safe environment, then, then you won't be able to absorb the right. calmness and and the good sure. emotions that you're trying to set in the workplace yeah and and again performance suffers in those kinds of places yeah. now now i tackle the the same issue if you will through the culture transformation work that i do yeah. and i, and I kind of help people see that because culture is equal to the way you behave mm -hmm. that the way the leaders behave sets a tone that others yeah. follow so if we've got a place where the leaders are uptight and they're yelling and screaming when things go wrong and yeah. they're impatient and yeah. they criticize people in front of other people yeah. and so on. And then they wonder why performance isn't good. Right. Well, they kind of did it to themselves, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the reverse can be true. So now we can talk about some of the things that the people are writing about again out there in the trade press. There's a ton of stuff being written on empathy. Mm -hmm. And in fact, and you, you probably, Mandy, will be very upset with me about this, but I, I've, I wrote a piece of, uh, a month or two ago that, that basically said, stop with empathy because we can't teach people how to be empathetic. They either care or they don't. I can't, I can't teach you to care. I can't yeah. make you care about something. I can make myself care about something, mm -hmm. but it comes from within. So what I'm seeing lately is things around secondhand sadness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Vicarious and, sadness, yeah. Yeah, and they're basically saying that it's a unique combination of sort of empathy and sympathy, mm -hmm. right? Any thoughts on that topic about secondhand sadness and and that dangerous combination of, of I guess, uh, empathetic thinking and the conveyance of sympathy, you know, to others? Um, well, I guess what I'm, you got to unpack I, it. <laughs> yeah, so I guess what I what I'm wondering before I answer that question is how are you seeing the show up with the people you work with? Well, I mean, I, I I think the well, first let's talk about definition. So so empathy is is you know I guess by definition that ability to see how someone else is feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And then we can look at sympathy and that's about sort of feeling sorry for somebody, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? They're two really kind of different yeah. things. And I think sometimes we confuse the two and I think it's just part of, I don't know, the human condition to do that. Yeah. Um, but when it starts to happen, I feel like sometimes leaders in particular get messed up and say, oh, I can't really ask you know, Mary Lou to do this because I feel really sorry for her. You know, she's been yeah. sick lately. Yeah. Yeah. And of course the rest of the team's looking at like I was sick and I had to do my job, you know, so right. there's that kind of right. weird yeah. thing that happens. 
Right. And I think that impacts the way the teams yeah. perform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So there's just because you show empathy and sympathy doesn't mean that there's still that, that you're somehow, um, you know, not supposed to do your job or the, like, it doesn't dismiss you from having boundaries still or expectations of the mm -hmm. workplace, you know, right. that they're, they're not the same, you know, you, you know, when you show empathy and sympathy, but then there's no accountability still that doesn't work. Right. You know, they're, they're, there's the same, they all have to be one in the same with it, you know, and, um, you know, I think for a lot of um, leaders who struggle or people in general who struggle with empathy, sympathy, and I do think it can be learned. I'm going to disagree okay. with you a little bit yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> but it's, that's why this is an indispensable conversation. <laughs> we want we want this conversation. Right. So yeah. so with a with a lot of highly successful intellectual people who stay up in their head, it doesn't mean that they don't have feelings either, but they're more in touch with their intellect than their own emotions. And if the statement is true, which Evan suggests that it is, that we're feeling beings that think, then there, there's a skill level, a skill level and understanding that feelings have to matter, whether you agree with them or not. And feelings aren't about, you don't have to agree with people's feelings. You just have to honor them. And it doesn't mean that the person can't still be held accountable for what they're supposed to be doing at work and and boundaries and expectations around that mm -hmm. it just means that you are you are responding to the person first and then you're dealing with the expectations and the boundaries sure. at work um and so you know with a lot of intellects and a lot of egos and all of that um it's really important for people to understand that feelings have to matter yeah so i shouldn't go into work tomorrow and pull somebody aside and tell them to get in touch with their inner child and give that inner child a kick in the butt. I, that's not a good idea. I don't think they know what you were talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what I will say though, you know, in, in helping out coaching companies with some of this stuff is for, first bit, bit of advice is offer help. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is, is sort of find joy and promote joy yourself. So you're not falling victim to to that sort of contagious set of feelings and ultimately feel it because you're gonna feel something mm -hmm. to your point right you know feelings yeah. are legitimate yeah um so feel and, it it's okay yeah. it's okay to feel and it. i just i just want to say on that like i think people have th these perceptions about emotions because of culture and upbringing and whatever is that they're either good or bad right or wrong strong or weak and mm -hmm. you know prior to this very evolved lifestyle that we lived in, our emotions are part of our survival instincts and our intuition and things like that. And so just really encourage people to view their emotional responses as signals yeah. to data. It's emotional intelligence. Your emotions give you signals for things that you need. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to them. Yeah. And so one of my favorite sayings is pay attention to the tension. <laughs> and and, and that one down. Yeah, and observe it. Just observe it. Take it in as data. Don't judge it. Yeah, I mean, I, like I say, my, 
again, a bit of advice that I give is feel it. And, and yeah. you're kind of saying the same thing. It, it, yeah. It's fine to feel things. You're going to feel things and yeah. don't pretend you can't. Right. You know? Yep. Um, you know, we've got time for maybe one or two more questions. I wanted to play around with this thing that I'm also seeing out there, particularly in the research in this area. And it's about that idea of reminding ourselves everything's going to work out all right. Hmm. Um, do you think there's any sage advice in that kind of thing? What's your perspective? Well, I, I do think that, um, yeah, that, that kind of flirts a little bit with the toxic positivity stuff, right? <laughs> and, and sometimes things don't work out. Riff, Mandy, riff. I want I want you to, yeah. to tell us yeah. what you think about that yeah. whole idea. No, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm kind of in your camp on this one too. Yeah, 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 Maybe yeah. I mean, the reality is is that things are uncertain, and life is going to kick you in the teeth sometimes. But what do you believe about yourself? You know, do you believe that you are resilient? Do you believe that you're capable of getting through worst case scenarios? Do you believe that you're able to survive? really difficult things. Mm. And and so I like people to consider, well, what if it doesn't work out? Mm. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. How will you get through that? Because that's going to crush the fear around it once you know what you would do. Mm -hmm. And once you can kind of problem solve that in your mind. The idea is not to avoid the fear, it's to lean mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. um, because assuming that everything's going to be Hunky dory. I mean, 2020 just kind of threw that out the window for all of us, right. you know, um, and, and it's real. Mm -hmm. But if anything has proven to be true in our world is that we are some of the most adaptable beings mm -hmm. ever. And we are resilient. I work with mm -hmm. clients who have been through horrific things. And I think to myself, man, these people are so resilient, so mm -hmm. resilient. And so... I don't, I don't like to live in, you know, the sugar coating, everything's going to be fine, yeah. but it's like, I know that I'm going to survive. I know mm -hmm. that I'm adaptable. So it goes back to what are you believing about yourself? Even if that worst case scenario happens. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm going to end with this sort of story uh, about myself, I guess, you know, yeah. I can't help it. The, you know, <laughs> but, but it's to your point, and I think it reinforces how important it is to 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 message these things to the people we care about. I grew up in a very you know blue collar working class family. Life wasn't easy, you know, paycheck to paycheck, that kind of thing. But I was always like a decent student. So my yeah. parents saw that you know education was my way out. So they really promoted the idea, get an education, and so on. And I think it led to me writing six books and you know all these articles and all this kind yeah. of stuff that I do but one of the things my father messaged to me at an early age was you're a survivor mm -hmm. he didn't tell me everything was going to be all right yep but he told me I can handle whatever comes my way yep and I can't tell you Mandy how many times I've played that tape back in my head yep. uh, particularly during tough times Yep. To kind of remind myself that I can get through this and yep. that, you know, I can handle and problem solve and all that. So yep. to, to your point, I, I love the idea of having the person really think through what if the worst case happens? What are you going to yep. do? So, so important. Yep. So, Mandy, hey, look, we're at the end of the time. Uh, I want to continue this conversation on LinkedIn Live. So I encourage folks to comment there and uh, we'll comment, you know, back to, the, to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I also want to remind folks that I've got a guest coming on in a couple of weeks, Nancy Halpern. She's an organizational politics expert. And get this, Mandy, here's the question I'm, I'm going to pose to her. And you're going to be really jealous because this is a great question, okay? Should businesses become actively involved in the cultural debates of the day? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, good one, right? Anyway, hey, it was great having a coffee with you, my friend. Yes, cheers, uh, my friend. <laughs> thanks, thanks for mu so much for coming on. Thank you for having me.